Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dementias. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Monica. Hey, Denise. How are you? I'm doing great. Hope you are too. I am very well. Thank you so much for asking. Well, we're back and today we're going to talk about medication. Uh, different types of medications and how they're administered and what you should know about medications as it relates to dementia. I can say that my dad um, had a few health issues um, prior to the diagnosis of Alzheimer's. He was diabetic and he was diagnosed with diabetes later in life, I think in his 60s or 70s, and he also had some gastrointestinal things going on, so he was taking some medication for that. But then when he got the diagnosis of Alzheimer's, there was a whole new set of medications that were, I don't want to say thrown at him or thrown at us, but trying to maneuver through that. Mm-hmm. What do you do about that, and how do you ask questions and tell me about medications for dementia and Alzheimer's? One of the more important things to realize and appreciate about medications of any kind is that you may have a condition for which there is a prescription, and it may be the right prescription for whatever it is you're taking it for, but it may not be a medication that works well for that particular individual. That being said, a lot of people who are older take a number of medicines for a number of different problems. You talked about your father's diabetes. So an older adult may be on medicine for blood pressure, may be on medicine for diabetes, may be on medicine for a seizure disorder, may be taking pain medicines, or even anxiety medicines. You know, in this generation, we don't always talk about stress and anxiety and depression, but we may be taking a nerve pill. I've heard that, like the older people saying, you're getting on my nerves, I need to take my nerve pill. And depending upon where you were in the 60s or the 70s, a nerve pill was something that really sent you to the moon and back. What we know now is that older adults can be taking the right medicine for the right reason in the prescribed dose, but their system doesn't tolerate it that way. And unfortunately, for a lot of older adults, all of our medications don't interact well with one another. And for example, if you're taking a water pill, I'm going to use a water pill because that's what most people know it as. Mm -hmm. It can be high triamterine, Lasix, a whole bunch of different water pills that you can take. The problem with the water pills are They help to lower your blood pressure by helping you get rid of extra fluid. But sometimes you get rid of too much fluid and you become dehydrated. 
and that dehydration, that chemically induced dehydration because you're taking the water pill to make your blood pressure lower, you've gotten rid of a lot of electrolytes and so now you're dehydrated. And that dehydration can create a problem with the way your brain functions by causing you to have what we call a delirium. Mm. So you're taking Lasix, for example, because you have congestive heart failure. Right. And you're taking it like you're supposed to, but like most older ladies, because they know that Lasix makes them go to the bathroom, they won't drink any water. But you really need to drink more water because you're getting rid of a whole lot of it. And so then your electrolytes get screwy. So when you're trying to balance your medications for the medical issues that you have, and then your doctor says, okay, you've got Alzheimer's or dementia, and they introduce some other medications. Now, we know there is no cure for Alzheimer's. There is no cure for Alzheimer's. But there are medications that can sort of help maintain a balance or try to try to maintain a balance with the person who has the disease. Well, most of the medications that we use are prescribed to kind of control some kind of symptom. So a lot of people may be placed on the brand name things like the Exelon patch, the Aricept pill, or the Razodyne pill for Alzheimer's. Okay, briefly tell, tell everyone what those do, just briefly. Those medications are called cholinesterase inhibitors, and they're supposed to allow the cells, electrical cells, to communicate better with one another. That's the best way that I can explain it. So when you have Alzheimer's, your nerve cells aren't communicating with each other. They're neurotransmitters that are not allowing the message to go from one uh, neuron to another. And so these medications, these cholinesterase inhibitors, or memantine is another one, and it's called an NMDA antagonist, help the nerves communicate with one another a little bit better. So that sort of helps the person be able to communicate and sort of function a little better? In, in theory, yes. Okay. Um, it's by helping the nerves communicate better with one another. I mean, it's a whole other thing. You don't want me to get into the weeds, so I'm not. But <laughs> okay. suffice it to say that nerves communicate by passing impulses, electrical impulses, or messages from one thing to another, and they do that with neurotransmitters. And in Alzheimer's, you sometimes these neurotransmitters aren't working well. There are not enough of them around to allow the message from one nerve to the next. Okay. So okay. it's like a communication, an internal communication that's off. Okay. Um, also, folks with Alzheimer's sometimes get, not sometimes, but quite often get very moody and uh, get depressed. They get uh, depressed. They get irritated and mean. They, <laughs> they, they get do. Mean. I, they I, get I, irritated I, and mean. They really do. Um, I didn't want to go there yet, but they really do. Well, but we're talking about medicine. So if you go to the doctor and you say something like, mm, I know mommy's got this Alzheimer's and we're taking our uh, the medicine you told me to take, but she's really, really mean and snappy and really irritable with me. And if you complain enough, a doctor's going to find another pill to give you so that you don't have them complaining so much. Right. Or maybe they're not sleeping. And if you complain enough, you, you're you complaining because 
you you want something to help that. So a doctor may, with all good intentions, give you a prescription for something to help them be calmer. Maybe they'll give them a nerve pill. I won't go into a type of nerve pill. Right. Um, maybe they need a sleeping pill because you asked for one, and maybe if you are... Um, I won't say manipulative enough, but if you make a good enough case, you can probably get a doctor to write a prescription for a sleeping pill. Now, what's the problem with all of that? Somebody who's 75 or 80 probably doesn't need a sleeping pill. They probably don't need a nerve pill. And when I say a nerve pill, what comes to mind is something like Xanax or... Um, I won't say Librium, that's the old drunk drug, but um, Ativan, something like that. But you don't need a nerve pill, you don't need a sleeping pill. A lot of times when people's behaviors, because again, their brains are short-circuiting and they're not processing things quite the way you or I would, because we're supposed to be sane. Right. Um, <laughs> they don't well. need those medications simply because their systems aren't really geared up to metabolize and break those medications down in the way that they should. So we talked about delirium coming from Lasix because you've taken too much, you're not getting enough fluid back in, so your electrolytes are off, so you're delirious because now you're dehydrated. But you can also have a medication-induced delirium where you're on all these medicines that don't really agree with you. It's interesting that you said that because my dad... Oh, this breaks my heart. Um, after he was given so many different types of pills, now this was not from you, um, because we started with you and you went into research. So we unfortunately had to find another, you know, medical doctor. And he was on so many different types of pills trying to calm him down. What my dad used to do, and I still do not understand it to this day, um, after he was out of the hospital on, you know, one of his many stays, he used to just roll out of the bed. I mean... Roll out of the bed? Roll out of the bed like clockwork. I, I put a camera in his room so that I could stay in my room and watch him, and it got to the point that I had to buy a blow-up mattress and put it on the floor because he would just roll out of the bed. And I would, you know, struggle, walk down the hall, say, Dad, what are you doing? And he'd look at me, and he goes, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and I'd have to pick him up and put him back in the bed. So I, I told this to the doctor, and they gave him some sort of sedative to try to, you know, calm him down, to make him sleep. So I guess it's just a Band-Aid. It, it's the best they can do. It, it's the best they can do. Right? Well, yes and no. I have had the luxury, if you will, of... Um, working in a center that specialized in geriatric care and medicine. So one of the things that we learn in geriatrics is rather than add medicines, we need to take away medicines. And instead of trying to look for a pharmacologic or a, some kind of pharmaceutical mm -hmm. to change a behavior, what we probably need to do, and I'm going to use this word again, change the environment. So maybe to help somebody rest, 
we develop a routine that allows somebody to sleep. We don't leave the television on. We don't bring a hundred people to the house. You know, we turn the lights down. We minimize the stimulation that can probably get them agitated and irritated. And we let them go to bed. Maybe we play soothing music. But most clinicians who aren't really that aware if you will, of geriatric issues are more likely to prescribe more and more prescriptions. But a lot of times in dementia care, in terms of people who have Alzheimer's and other dementia, what we try to work on is more of a behavioral change. You know, if you need medicine for controlling your congestive heart failure, you need medicine for controlling your congestive heart failure. You may need a lesser dose, and that's something you need to work with a cardiologist for. But when it comes to changing behaviors, and that's usually what bothers family members, people's behaviors, we need to start looking at more of a behavioral change. And you can get that by working with an occupational therapist who's used to working with people who have memory problems. So that, that's so good to know because uh, my poor little daddy looked at me one day after he was like on his eighth or tenth pill for the day and said, you know... I think all these medicines are just killing me. And he was right. Yeah. I felt so bad. I was just trying to make him comfortable, trying to help him to rest, and trying to bring his memory back, which I know that was probably impossible to do. But I was just trying to do all of that. But you said something very important, that that we should try to focus more on behavior mm-hmm. and as opposed to medicating someone so much with dementia and Alzheimer's, but as a layperson, it's hard for us. It seems like we're going against what the doctor wants to do. And so how can you delicately, as a layperson, say, you know, Doc, I know you're the smartest person in this room. And And don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. Because then you're starting to, you're already letting me know that you don't think much of what I've just said. Uh And you've already insulted me. (laughs) So... I mean, we all have egos, but I, 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 I hear what you're saying, and I think that as a family member who loves their relative um, or whomever it is you're taking care of, you are really the best person to observe and be aware of how they're reacting to different things. And it then becomes your job to let the clinician or the doctor know exactly what happens when you do whatever it is they've told you to do. You told me to give them a dose of Seroquel. Well, when I give him the Seroquel, he sleeps for 15 hours. He doesn't wake up to eat or drink or anything like that. Now, if the doctor knows that, he'll stop it. Hmm. Okay, but if you say, no, he needs this or he needs that, try not to be the doctor, but tell the doctor that you're working with exactly what you're seeing so that, you know, we become a little bit more of a team. It's not me being paternalistic telling you what to do or you being paternalistic telling me what to do. You need to help me understand what's happening as you see it. And if you give him medication A, what happens when you give him medication A? Or you have observed that when you give them this medicine in the morning, this is what happens with their behavior. If you give them this medicine in the evening, this is what you observe. That helps me as a clinician do a better job by you. Well, that's so good to know because uh, you said something very key about being a team. And it's important for those of us who are uh, 
you know, the children, the, the family members to find that physician who's going to be your team member and who's going to work with you. And if you, you know, feel like you want to concentrate more on the behavior of your loved one as opposed to the medical issues and to drug them mm-hmm. to, to get them to conform to what you think is normal, it's so much better. And hopefully and prayerfully you will get uh, a clinician that will say, okay, well, let's, let's try this. Let's do it your way because that's, what, that's all we really want. We want someone to listen to us. And, and sometimes it's hard when you go into the doctor's office, you feel intimidated and you feel like you can't tell what you, you know, want for your loved one and you feel like they're not going to listen to you. But uh, if you tell us that there are clinicians out there that are, that are going to listen to what we have to say, that is awesome. They are out there, but you have to help them now. You have to help them by writing down what you want. I mean, we tell older people when they come to the doctor, bring all your medicine so that I know what you're taking. When you are bringing your loved one to the doctor's office, write down what all your concerns are so that the nurse and the doctor can kind of help you address them appropriately. Wonderful. That is good to know, and that is great advice. And we will talk to you next time. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Please visit our Facebook page, My Parents Are Now My Kids. And on Instagram at My Parents Are Now My Kids. And if you have any questions for us, please email us at myparentsarenowmykids at gmail.com. See you next time.